0: Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast for Sunday, June 19th, 2022. Today's sermon is from Isaiah chapter 49. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church. Good morning. Everybody awake now? It's good to be here this morning. It's good to see all of you here this morning. It's good to see these chairs full this morning. Where were y'all at last week? Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for, for praying for us this morning, Jimmy, uh, as the turkey team prepared to leave Friday, as Abby and Olivia prepared to leave today. She's gone for several weeks. Levi can come hang out with you, Jimmy. Ain't that right? <laughs> But it's good to be here this morning. Thank, thank you for making it possible for us as a church to send out teams, to be on mission for our neighbors, uh, to both here within our country and abroad. Like Jimmy said, we, we cannot do this without you guys. We can't do this without your generous giving. Uh, Y'all, y'all are funding us 100%, and we thank you. The turkey team thanks you. Abby and Olivia, thank you. And since Jimmy didn't let me speak earlier, uh, I, I'm, I'm telling you thank you now. But that's okay. So uh, this morning, we're going to be in Isaiah 49. And we're going to be looking... As we're thinking about missions, as we're thinking about sending out these teams, we're, go- we're going to be considering missions and going. And you're probably wondering why I went with Isaiah 49 as we're looking at this. But I think it's good. I think it's good to look at Isaiah, especially in looking at at going looking at Christ and considering Israel, considering our, ourselves today. And this is, this is going to be a, a shorter message, very to the point. But if you would, please stand with me as, as we read Isaiah 49, verses 1 through 7. Listen to me, O coastlands, and give attention, you peoples from afar. The Lord called me from the womb, from the body of my mother he named my name. He made my mouth like a sharp sword, in the shadow of his hand he hid me. He made me a polished arrow, in his quiver he hid me away. And he said to me, you are my servant Israel, in whom I will be glorified. But I said... I have labored in vain, and I have spent my strength for nothing in vanity. Yet surely my right is with the Lord, and my recompense with my God. And now the Lord says, He who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. He says, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and His Holy One, to one deeply despised, abhorred by the nation, the servant of rulers. Kings shall see and arise, princes, and they shall prostrate themselves. Because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you. Thank you that we can open up your word, that we can examine the words of the uh, prophet Isaiah, and we can just, just marvel at you this morning, Lord. Thank you that we can sing praises to you. Thank you that we can gather. Thank you that, that we, are, we are redeemed, that we are bought through the blood of Christ. Lord, open our hearts, open our minds this morning, cause us to see you in a new way, cause us to leave here changed, cause us to love you more and more, and cause us to love your word more and more as well. Bless this time here this morning, in your precious name we pray, amen. You may be seated. So this morning, looking at Isaiah 49, we're going to see that Isaiah gives us a series of songs called the Servant Songs uh, throughout Isaiah 42 to 53. So each of these songs paints a picture for us of the suffering servant. Though this servant remains unnamed throughout Isaiah, many Jewish scholars attribute that name, that identity of the suffering servant, to the nation of Israel. They do not, however, attribute that identity to Christ. They they deem Christ to be illegitimate. Not worthy to be deemed as this suffering servant that Isaiah is writing about. Yet we as Christians, we beg to differ. We see the identity of the suffering servant to be Christ. And we, can, we think the, the Jewish interpreters kind of miss the point that, that Christ is ultimately that servant. However, Israel is mentioned in 49, verse 3, which I just read. You are my servant, Israel. Which begs us to consider that Israel, the nation, may actually be the focus of the servant song. The only thing is, I I believe that's too limiting to say that Israel alone as a nation is the focus here. I believe Isaiah could be referring to two Israels, to two different Israels, two different pictures of Israel. Israel the nation on one hand and Israel the individual on the other, the individual being Christ. Now this makes sense in that the prophets of the Old Covenant understood that one person, specifically the Davidic king, could represent the entire nation before God. We see this with David certainly but I want you to flip over to 2 Chronicles, chapter 33. Hold, hold your finger at Isaiah 49. Flip over to chapter 33 of 2 Chronicles. Weston, I told you we was going to 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles 33 tells us about Manasseh. Does anybody ever uh, read about Manasseh? Anybody remember What happens to Manasseh? So Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem, and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Not a very promising story. So Manasseh, looking to uh, verse 2, did what was evil in the sight of the Lord according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. For he rebuilt the high places that his father Hezekiah had broke down, and he erected altars uh, to the Baals, made Asherahs, worshipped all the hosts of the heaven, and served them. And he built altars in the house of the Lord, of which the Lord had said, In Jerusalem shall my name be forever. And he built altars for all the hosts of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord, and he burned his sons as offerings, in the valley of the sons of Himon, and used fortune-telling and omens and sorcery and dealt with mediums and necromancers. And he did much evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger. And the carved image of the idol that he had made, he set in the house of God, of which God said to David and to Solomon his son, in this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name, forever, and I will no more remove the foot of Israel from the land that I appointed to for your fathers, if only they will be careful to do what I have commanded them in the law, the statutes, and the rules given through Moses. So in verse 9, Manasseh led Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem astray to do more evil than the nations whom the Lord destroyed before the people of Israel. So, Manasseh failed to keep God's covenant. He failed to preserve the house of the Lord. And because of that, that covenant breaking, we see in verse 10 and 11, continuing on, that Manasseh is exiled into Babylon. Later in chapter 36, Weston, in 36, we see all of Israel is exiled to Babylon, taking captive. But we see a glimmer of hope. Actually, we see more than a glimmer of hope. We, we see a bright light of hope in verses 12 to 13 concerning Manasseh. Though he's in chains and brought into Babylon, when he was in distress, he entreated the favor of the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. He prayed to him, and God was moved by his entreaty, heard his plea, and brought him again to Jerusalem, into his kingdom. And then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. Through repentance, Manasseh was restored. So why why am I going here? Israel, too, suffered that same fate of Manasseh. Thus, Manasseh's fate was the nation's fate. John Calvin wrote, under the name Israel, by which he means Christ, referring to Isaiah, uh, Isaiah includes the whole body of the people as members under the head. So when we examine this servant, as Israel, we're in fact viewing Israel, the nation, and the ideal Israel, the, the perfect Israel, which is found in Christ. I know that's a lot. I know that's a lot to, to, to take in. Um, if if it's not 100% clear, see me afterwards. We'll, we'll, we'll shore this up. But we, we have to get this to, to see where we're going here, looking at these, these two different Israels. So this morning, we're going to examine these two Israels, Israel the nation and the ideal Israel, in, in, in three different ways. We're, go- we're going to look at Israel the nation, We're going to look at the ideal Israel, which is found in Christ. And then we're going to look at the restored Israel. So Israel the nation. When we consider Israel the nation, it's honestly not a great picture. Uh, Oftentimes, as Scott would say, they're boneheads. Oftentimes, they're... They're scared to go into the land that God promised. They're, they're, they are rescued from the Egyptians and they're crying in the wilderness saying, man, I wish I had that, that fresh fruit from uh, Egypt. That, that sure would be good right now. Maybe, maybe we should go back to, our, to those chains and shackles just so we can tastes a good morsel of, of fruit. We see moments of hope, though, where Israel worships God and worships God rightly, brings honor to His name. But then we see moments where they're creating idols, refuse to obey, and simply sin against God. I, th- I, th- I think if we look at our own lives, we, 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 can, we can identify here with, with the nation Israel. We, we can recognize that, that some days we're good. Other days, more days than not. We're not too good, not too hot. While I partially agree with these Jewish interpreters that, that, that Isaiah is painting a picture of Israel as a servant, this picture is incomplete. Because Israel as a nation could not accomplish these things that are, that are written specifically in 49. In 49, we see, chapter, uh, looking at verse 3, You are my servant Israel, who will be glorified, in whom I will be glorified. And we see that, that Israel can't even fulfill this perfectly. Perfectly. As we spend time here this morning, we're we're going to see that Israel, the nation, is under the same curse of sin that all men, all women, to this day are born into. God established creation and mankind in His image, places them blameless in the garden with a holy calling. Yet Adam and Eve rejected that calling, chose to rebel according to the counsel of, of the serpent. They listened to the counsel of the created. While the Creator God commissioned humanity for a purpose, commissioned them to reflect, resemble, and represent His greatness, His glory on a global scale. We, we see a God who, who draws big pictures. Not just little pictures, little, little things that, that we focus on, but the big scale, the global scale. Adam and Eve sinned, thus passing that sin nature onto each generation. And because of this, all of creation is affected. All of creation is enslaved to sin and then we see later on following the fall as sin grew god destroyed the earth by flood we saw a lot of rain this week but not nearly as much as what noah saw god covenanted with noah later he covenants with abraham ultimately covenanting with a people, a nation. The only problem with this nation was that they still have the same sin nature. They still had that sin nature. They still had this problem that they could not grasp, could not fix. In Israel, the servant of God could not faithfully Holy glorify God. See, the nation of Israel would always fail to uphold their part, their end of the covenant with God. Yet we see that God, from the very beginning, was making a way possible. Making a way possible through Christ as Savior. And so we find in Christ the ideal Israel, the perfect Israel, the perfect suffering servant who could accomplish all of these things that Isaiah is writing about here in chapter 49. So we see Israel, the ideal Israel. Israel, the nation, may have been the servant that God was most glorified through. And we see that Israel is in fact, as a nation, was a light to other nations. They they lived and functioned in a manner to which the other nations looked at them and said, you know what? Their God's a big God. Their God is... Obviously, there's something to them because we're not going in there because their God's big. Their God is going to protect His nation. But through Christ, we recognize one who is both worthy to glorify God and able to provide salvation and restoration to Israel, the nation. This servant embodies all that Israel should have been. Essentially, Christ the servant is the ideal Israel. He's very different from the nation of Israel. This ideal Israel is found in Christ. And Christ brings forth hope, brings forth salvation, and reconciliation with God. He brings the nation Israel, the people Israel, into reconciliation with God. And we see this accomplished, and we see how it's accomplished in Isaiah 53. He was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, and upon him was the chastisement. That brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Hope is restored through that person and work of Christ. And Christ, ultimately, that servant that is that servant that glorifies God, he's the one whose mouth speaks like a sharp sword. that that we see in in verse verse 2 there. Piercing to the division of the soul and of spirit, of joint and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Christ is the servant who can restore Jacob. He can restore Israel to the Father. Jesus Christ is the ideal Israel who so could carry out God's redemptive plan for the nation of Israel? It's kind of hard for Israel to carry out God's redemptive plan as an Israel as a nation to carry out God's redemptive plan to redeem themselves to God. So God established his son as the ideal Israel. However, there's, there's a difference. And how Jesus as the servant redeems and restores the nation of Israel. Consider Cyrus. Cyrus restored Israel. I do believe that Cyrus was certainly a servant of God to restore the nation of Israel. But Cyrus simply restored Israel, the people, to Israel, the land. He brought people back to the land. Jesus, as servant, restores Israel to God. You see, restorations, it's not a place, necessarily. Rather, the restoration that Christ offers is through reconciling us to the living God. There's hope there. There's hope in being reconciled to a living God. And in being the ideal Israel, this restoration news is shown through the person and work of Christ. But being the ideal Israel, being that ideal Israel, it is too small a thing only to redeem Israel, the nation. Right right there in, in verse, verse 6, Isaiah 49. Let's read that again. And he says, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. It's too small a thing, too light a thing. Remember, we serve a big God who's looking at the big picture. This, it, not little things. He sees the big picture. It's bigger than, than what, what we think. It's bigger than what we, what we have planned for our lives. It's bigger than, than what we have planned for our education, our marriages, our children. If God did only what I, I have planned, what I have expected for my kids kids don't stand a chance. But God's plans are bigger. God, God's ideas here with his people are bigger than just providing salvation and preserving one little nation. It's not to say that God was not concerned about the salvation of Israel as a nation. Rather, God's concern is with the salvation of the whole world. Israel included all men and women born into sin that need the saving work of Christ. Continue on in verse 6. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. All men, all women, all born into sin all enslaved to sin. Christ is a light, too. The ideal Israel is a light for the nations. Christ, thus the ideal Israel, takes the covenants of old, fulfills them, and establishes a new covenant. We have a new covenant in blood, in the blood of Christ, restoring us to God. Not only The redeemed in Israel, but in all the world. We see this global scale here. This brings us to our final point when we see Israel restored. You see, a restored people have a new life, new life. Not, not, not just a borrowed life. They have... They, like Connie's got a new car. Connie doesn't have her old car. It's sitting in a junkyard somewhere. But we have a new life. It hasn't been test drove. It hasn't been used. It's new. It's ours given by Christ. We have a new life. No longer are they consumed with the things of this world. No longer does a restored people desire the vanities of this life. No longer does a restored people long for coarse joking. No longer do they actively pursue to be entangled in sin. Israel restored are those grafted in. Grafted. Cut off of one one plant, grafted on to another. Like those olive branches in Romans 11. When we are restored to the Father, we are grafted into that olive tree. Something that was once a wild shoot is now grafted in among the natural branches. Israel being the natural branches. And all of us, as the redeemed, are sharing in the nourishing root of the olive tree. Talk about hope. Talk about something worthy to, to, to praise God for. We've been restored. We've been grafted in as God's people. So what do we do with this restoration? What do we do with it? Do we simply hold on to it? Do we simply hold on to it? Or do we, do we hide it? Do we hide it until Sunday when we gather here with God's people? Christ as the light to the nations. Christ. You know what I'm saying here? Christ as the light to the nations is extended to us as the church. Christ's priority is clarified in Matthew 24:14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come. And then we see in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, looking at uh, verses 18 to 20. And Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I have commanded. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. A restored people do not simply hide their restoration story. They share it. They're bold with it. They're faithful with it in their lives. They pass it on within their families. They proclaim it in their friendships. They announce it in good times. They laugh it in happy times. They weep it in sad times. A restored people make their restoration story known. A restored people make their restoration story known as Christ, our ideal Israel, our suffering servant, our light, reflects upon our lives and shines forth to the nations so that Christ's salvation can be made known to the ends of the earth. And one more thing before, before we close. This, this is really our, our application here. Our light shines forth as reflected from Christ. And it doesn't go out just to distant places. though. It does. You're sending out two groups this week that are going to distant places. But it shines forth in the nooks and crannies of our own lives, our everyday lives, our often mundane lives. It shines forth as we gather with friends, as we gather with family, as many of us are going to do today, being Father's Day. It shines forth in the office, shines forth on the job site, in the classroom, on the highway, in the drive-through, at the checkout line. Everywhere we go, if we proclaim Christ as our Savior, if we wave that banner. and Folks, if you're sitting here today, and you're members here at Grace, you're waving that banner. And when we hold Christ's banner, we have no room to hold on to another banner to wave. If we're waving Christ's banner, it's a two-handed banner. We, we, we're, not, we're not waving other banners but Christ. But if we are waving another banner, we like Manasseh. Must repent. We must tear down our high places. We must be restored to God through repentance. So, this morning, as you leave here, as you're here fellowshipping, as you gather, make that light known. Proclaim the gospel. Consider your neighbors. Consider your family members. Show them the light of Christ as we consider the nations this morning, the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for bringing us to to Isaiah 49 this morning, but ultimately bringing us to Christ. Lord, thank you for our salvation Thank you that, that you work among your people, that you see fit to use your people, and make your name great among your people. Lord, move, work, change hearts. Cause us to love love you. Cause us to honor you. Cause us to be bold and faithful. In your precious name we pray. Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove to find us. You can also find us on Apple Podcast. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove. You can also join us at the South Row YMCA, 950 Kimball Road, China Grove, North Carolina. We meet on Sunday mornings at 930 for fellowship and service starts at 10. Thank you for listening and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week.